going to bring back someone who is well familiar to listeners both in the Davis area and the Chico region. That would be former general manager of KDVS, Stephen Valentino. Well, welcome back to Radio Parallax, Stephen. Hello, Doug. It's always great to be here. Good to have you back, sir. Now, we should point out to listeners that from your humble origins as a disc jockey... (laughs) For the fifth time that I've appeared on this show, yes. In KZFR, back when you were a high school student, you moved on to KDVS, served a term as general manager, and are now working in the Big Apple. You did your homework. Yeah. Yes, I'm working for uh, WNYC, the New York, uh, the NPR affiliate in New York City. Which is kind of the big leagues as far as uh, NPR goes, I think. One of the, probably the top five, I'd say. Uh, top rated, actually. Oh, you're number one? Yes. You know, oh, I, well, you know, I don't want right. to brag. Stand but, corrected. And I'll pass your tape along, of course, to the station <laughs> please, management. Please do. I'm sure if Leonard feels feeling long in the tooth, I'll be happy to fill right in for him. You are an associate producer? I am an associate producer. My favorite booking that we've done on the show in the last year was putting Elliot Spitzer and RuPaul in the same hour together. <laughs> you, you didn't. I did. I did. And, you know, wow. the, and, uh, it was just to see them pass each other in the hallway. And they both kind of, they knew each other's work. They were familiar with one another. <laughs> they tipped the hat. That's all that I wanted out of it, you know? There was sort of a, a knowing glance between yes. the two. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Elliot Spitzer. He, the guy that Wall Street hated. Most definitely. He was cracking the whip, saying they're, they're up to some shenanigans here that need to get looked into when he was attorney general. Yes. And I guess as governor. And he wrote a very st- stirring call to action, I think, in the Wall Street Journal, if my memory serves me correct. Probably a wrong place to publish that, but yes. I think in February <laughs> of a couple years back. And mysteriously, a couple of days later, he's embroiled in a sex scandal. What a coincidence. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to, to get in to comment on that, actually. So well, I, I, I'm going to have to put on my professional journalist hat well, here. I don't, I don't expect I, you to take the official NYC position that he got rolled <laughs> from Wall Street. Uh, for the record, that is not. But it does not represent the position of anyone at WNYC, their commercial sponsors, or... Or me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I have my suspicions <laughs> that it wasn't a, an accident. But he's now he's now a prominent figure. He's making making a comeback. He's, and he's currently a, on CNN. A pundit. Yes, he has his own show, Parker Spitzer or Spitzer Parker or something, um, with a conservative columnist I think from Washington, the Washington Post. So I haven't seen it. I've heard mixed reviews about it. It seems less shouty from what I've heard. I mean, Leonard Lopate has got to interview Elliot Spitzer, so you're saying, well, you're, you're giving him direction is what he might want to do, but when you're live like that, I guess you never quite have complete control of where it's going to go. No, you structure it how you want, you know, where it's going to go, and it's definitely a collaborative process. Well, there are several of you, right? I mean, there's... Yeah, there's a whole staff, and right. obviously I'm working with the host and with, you know, everyone on the show, and all the ideas are kind of coming together in one space. Um, and then once it's live, anything can happen. And, of course, you know, the Big Apple, you are the showbiz center of the East Coast. I'm sure you get your, more than your share of, uh, of, you know, stars of stage and screen. This is true. We've had uh, the, the two Patties, Patty Lapone and Patty LaBelle. Okay. Two personal favorites of mine. I, I like Patty Lapone. How was she? Very nice, very giving in an interview, and very just very pleasant to be around in person. And she was a killer, Evita. I saw her in med school. God, boy, See, she's, I, she's got a set of pipes. Yeah, no, she can sing. I do not like Andrew Lloyd Webber, though. I like Evita, but that's the only show that I'll go for. 
Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about... Uh, I, I, oh, we had Stephen Sondheim on recently, too, which was a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, Stephen Sondheim. He's, uh, you know, he uh, the lyrics for West Side Story, also a, a composer. I mean, just, just a, a towering figure, I guess, on, on Broadway. Yeah, base, I mean, and he has a show that's out right now, actually, it's on Broadway, um, the revival of... Drawing a Blank. Uh, uh, there's a hundred listeners now right going, oh, oh. Yeah, I know. I can't think of the name of it. Anyways, it's it's they've revived it on Broadway with Bernadette Peters and uh, Elaine Stritch. Have you had Stritch. her, by the way, Bernadette Peters? Yeah, she's great. She's kind of kind of just luminous, isn't she? Yeah, huge. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, she comes knows. in, she just like lights up the room, doesn't yeah. she? Oh, beyond. It's just. I mean, everyone's like paying attention to her. It's remarkable. Hmm. Yeah. There's something to that whole star quality Do you want a publicist thing. information? Yeah, let's okay. bring Bernadette. Bernadette, I'm sure, be happy to talk to us here in uh, in the West Coast. <laughs> She's not coming here anytime soon, I don't imagine. Not that, no. Um, Liza Minnelli. How was that? You know how earlier we were talking about this thing in, in public radio, the difference between a pregnant pause and an awkward pause? <laughs> <laughs> and how there's a difference? This is one of those situations where this is an awkward pause. Well, there are some things in life, perhaps, about which the less said, the better. Yes. Perhaps Liza Minnelli's adventures at the station are one of those. Let's leave it at that. Okay. I'm a big fan, though. I just want to Me say too. for the record. Me too. Love her. Yeah, yeah. Can't get enough of her. Yeah. Love, yeah. Cabaret, outstanding. Fantastic. And you know, her mother was pretty good, too. Fantastic. Well, who else should we talk about? I mean, I'm sure that it's it, there's a, quite a parade of personalities that, that you get a chance to rub shoulders with. Uh, Howard Stern? Never have had him on. I used to work at Sirius, and I would sometimes bump into him in the elevator. Also pleasant. Really? Yeah. He's not, a, he's not a total jerk. No, I found him to be very approachable and nice. Well, there you go. Who so, knew? You know, Who knew? Well, you know, you have a public persona and you have, like, real life, right? You know about that. I guess I do, come <laughs> to think of it. Who else? Uh, we also had on Jesse Ventura. For- Ooh, you know, I, I so wanted to get Jesse Ventura, and they told, they told us he wasn't doing stuff anymore, but you, you had him on. Yeah, we had him on for his book on conspiracy theories. It's called American Conspiracy Theories. It's actually a pretty good book. Really? Yeah, we talked okay. about it in this show. It's a, it's a, it's... Well-researched. I mean, I'm actually very interested to hear what you think about Dick this. Russell was his, co- was his collaborator on that. Dick Russell is, a, is, is someone who's, you know, respected. I thought it was... Uh, well-reasoned. It wasn't too overboard. He covered a lot of bases, a lot of different things that, you know, are worth looking at, and I was, I was impressed. How do you feel about the use of the word conspiracy theory, though? Because the second oh, that gets thrown into a title, well, it creates a whole... The second you talk about conspiracy theories, you firmly put a tinfoil hat right. on the hat of the person that you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah, it's pretty much like if you stop beating your wife. But, you know, we, we had the authors of A Web of Conspiracy. It was by James Broderick and Darren Miller. I think, I think we had Miller on. I can't remember. <laughs> but it was a guide to conspiracy theory sites on the Internet. And these vary between the completely, you know, completely crazy and those things that... Um, what, like, you know, NASA built pyramids on the moon and all yes, that fun stuff? Okay. Yes, you know, the Philadelphia experiment. You know, they, they, had a, they, had, they, sent a, they sent a battleship through time or some goofball <laughs> thing, you know, but I mean... Well, that stuff is on the History Channel now. Have you seen this thing about the yes. Nazis and the yeah. aliens or whatever? Uh, no, I didn't see that one, but that, that's pretty much the tinfoil hat variety we're talking about, I think. But probably one of the, the missing quick clip from this program and its entire history that we're really sorry we somehow didn't capture was when John Dean was on. We were talking about Watergate and various conspiratorial things. He said, you know, I don't believe in conspiracy theories and unless they're real. But we don't have it on tape somehow. I don't know how we lost that, but I thought that, that really summarized it. There are certain things that, you know, are, are legitimate and, uh, and certain things that are not. 
I think Jesse Ventura did a pretty good job of steering the balance there and staying on the right side of the fence. I may borrow the copy now. Okay. They felt he did well on the, on the show, I guess the consensus was. I mean, because I, mean, I do think he's a very smart guy. I mean, oh, yeah, professional wrestling all, but he's a very he, colorful character. And Don't like his TV show too much. No? Is that no. on? What is that on? Is that on Fox? Uh, I or is don't it know. On... They're, they're, I, have a, I have a sneaking suspicion they're, they're moving Jesse from the, you know, he wrote a pretty good book into, you know, hey, no, have you noticed Jesse's new hat? <laughs> it's really shiny because he's talking about a lot of goofy stuff that uh, the real fringy stuff, you know. Did we really go to the moon? I don't think he's doing that one, but I mean that that example, that sort of thing. Now, what is that whole "did we go to the moon" thing? Like, is it, is it the whole thing about the flag moving on the moon, and that's I, why they faked it? Or I don't know. It's you know, for the trouble it would take to fake a moon landing, you might as well just go. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that's what one of the one of the astronauts said, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't I don't know where that all comes from. I mean, especially since you can shine a laser on the moon. And see where they left the reflectors and the light bounces back. How do they think those things got there? I, I don't understand these people. You could easily fake that. <laughs> easily. You know, I, I must say, you know, uh, we, we don't have to do a, a live program that has to do with what, three different guests on a lot of days. Four, four guests, usually. And sometimes more, because you have callers, you have people. One on hour phone. or two? Two hours. Two hours, four different segments. Yes. That's a lot of different ground to cover. I mean, Leonard Lopate or Superman really couldn't 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 do all that, so he has to have you guys help him out. Right, and so it's you know there's a staff, there's four of us on the staff. It's a collaborative effort, you know, but ultimately it's Leonard in the chair who's firing the questions, and he knows an incredible amount of stuff. It just kind of boggles my mind sometimes. Does he once in a while just chuck everybody's questions and go in a totally different direction? Oh, we call that going rogue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Does that happen uh, a lot? Uh, it's happened from time to time. Of course, the questions and, and the research material that we provide is usually so good, there's no need to. I see. Yeah. Well, that's good to not know. To, not to you know, be a shameless self-promoter. Well, but there must be a moment, though, no matter how good your questions or anyone else's are, when the guest says, you know, by the way, Leonard, you know, I, I just... I couldn't. I shot that guy in the parking lot on the way in. Or things just have to take a different course. At that point, you just let go of the wheel, <laughs> and it's gonna go wherever it's gonna go. And that's the great thing about doing stuff live. I actually could not do your job. I could not do a recorded show. And why is that? Because I am too. I would. Wait, just, this is a recorded show. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, cat out okay. of the bag. Oh, also, I'm. Doug's nephew. So <laughs> that's why I get to talk to him for like 10 minutes. Oh boy, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just too finicky. I couldn't, I would just obsess over everything. So it's like if I do something and it's good or bad, I forget about it and the next day is a new day. There obviously is no temptation to try and niggle because it's already been out and broadcast and you right. can't pull it back. Right. I would be sitting there, if it was a tape show, I'd be sitting there constantly, you know, cutting the tape and pulling stuff closer together and editing and re-editing and re-editing. So I admire you for what you do. Thanks, I guess. And your ability to say, good enough. <laughs> good enough. Uh, is there any moment that sticks out? I mean, that I shot a guy in the parking lot moment. Is there any, any of them that in the course of events that you can recall that kind of, <laughs> where the people watching the show, the associate producer was kind of looking at each other and kind of just go like, oh boy, where are we going now? Well, nothing really comes to mind right now but i've definitely been in a lot of situations where you had the last minute cancellation because either oh, there's a freak snowstorm the plague, the plague of the live show right you're, you're 10 minutes to airtime and, and suddenly you know they can't get to town or what you know i don't know their grandmother has died or whatever and you're stuck holding 40 minutes of dead air basically you know i must say that when filling in over at insight on capital public radio there there have been a couple of co times where 
the guest showing up was in doubt and there's just nothing everyone's quite just that. kind of <laughs> well you're sitting in the in the host chair with that that deep <laughs> deep feeling in the pit of your stomach like oh my god what will we do if the guest doesn't show just open up a new york times <laughs> and start talking well I, I, has that happened we've definitely had things where it's like i've called people and said all right well can we book you on the show and they go yeah when can we get you and i'm like about 30 seconds from now. <laughs> so hope you're not doing anything for the next <laughs> half hour. <laughs> really? And, yeah, definitely. And, and they're kind of like, well. And, you know, most people, God bless them, they rally and, and everyone gets through. And the other side of the radio, you wouldn't even be able to tell. Well, before we go, and I know you've got to catch a flight back to the Big Apple, why don't you plug some of the other, uh, <laughs> other uh, shows? This I mean, is really the greatest have... interview ever, Doug, <laughs> because... Please, come talk about how wonderful you are, all the wonderful things that you're doing, all the wonderful things that your employer does. Yes, welcome to the Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> no, you're great. This man. Sammy, can I say something? This man. <laughs> um, no, we do a number of shows out of there on the media. Excuse That's a great... I mean, I, I hear that all the time on KQED and such. It's, it's, it's great. Show. No, tightly edited... Very well produced, very smart show. Studio 360, it's a culture show. Radio Lab, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. um, we do a national morning uh, radio show as well out of there called The Takeaway that I'm a big But most NPR affiliates have their own usually morning show or, or morning. They, well, they pick up morning edition, yes. So this is like a, something if they don't want to air morning edition, they can air this? Is that, is that how it works? Uh, and it's, a new, it's a new show that we've launched that is it's in a couple markets back east and is growing. So That's interesting. Stay tuned. So, well, enough about me, Doug. I want to hear, and I think our listeners are very interested in hearing about your recent trip to Costa Rica. Well, this has been a multi-stage thing we've been talking about, about different aspects of this, this adventure. Well, I've heard that you may be nominated for a Darwin Award um, after one of your more recent adventures down I, there. I think you've been talking to Mr. McMillan, who, just because, you know, in his career as a professional diver he was you know had this fear of saltwater crocodiles oh crocodiles what's <laughs> what's to worry about <clears throat> no well, I you, you swam in an, a caiman filled estuary well they they told me that i <laughs> it was probably wasn't going to swim in the estuary because there were caimans which are and a crocodile it was this before or after after what? After you went swimming in the estuary. Well, it was both. They told me. <laughs> oh, no. This is a very important distinction here. If yeah. I hear crocodile-infested waters, I'm not going to go in. I thought they were exaggerating. <laughs> I, they warned me beforehand, and they did tell me afterward. Well, afterward, what they told me was they'd seen crocs as big as 12 feet long, and they'd seen pictures of ones up to 16 feet long. Now, I have to admit, after review, it probably wasn't a good idea to have swum in the estuary. Now, did you have any encounters with any? Well, I did see a caiman, but <clears throat> as I was swimming out to the sea, and I, and I did, well, I, I had, by the time I was swimming along, I, I was having some doubts. As maybe this wasn't such a good idea. It looked full, so you were fine. Well, because they could come at you from the underbrush, you right. know, you never know. But I swam over and got a big log, and so I was, this log was maybe, you know, 10 feet long, so I was, had the log underneath me, and I was pushing it through the water. Oh, so you look like bigger prey. Well, no. I, I figured if I ran into a croc, he would he would have harder to get at me. Number okay. one, number two, I I could shove the stick at him, which is what I did when I saw the caiman that then came out, and he was swimming along, looking at me, and I was looking at him, and I thought I might as well make him think he's the prey. So I swam at him with the log, and he went under the water. Very clever. I like that. Yeah, but then I realized once he's under the water, I don't really know where he is anymore. And, <laughs> and he's then, gonna take off your foot. Then I was thinking, eh, yeah, 
This probably was ill-advised. <clears throat> I did take out my Swiss Army knife at that point and took the blade out, you know, thinking like, I guess, like from the old Jungle Jim movies. Yeah. The tried and true method used by Hollywood in the 1950s. <laughs> you were just swimming with it between your teeth? To fend off yes. cro- crocodilian attack. No, I had it in my hand, but I swam over to the shore after that and thought, okay, I probably, sh- you know, probably need to swim in a better place next time. <laughs> But I suppose, yeah, in retrospect, I suppose if that how I was how I'd met my end, I probably would have been a good Darwin Award candidate. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I can say in the end, no crocodilians were harmed in the no production. No crocodiles harmed you. No, it all came out just fine. Yeah. But I have to admit, you know, I, the guys, the surfing guys, kind of said later, now, now, don't, don't do that. And I, I, if you plan to go to Costa Rica and take surfing lessons, um, my advice would be then, you know, just to be a little wary of the, some of the estuaries. Duly noted. Thanks, Doug. Okay. All right, sir. Well, that's enough of that. I know you need to head back to, like I said, the Big Apple. Uh, you were kind of, I guess, caught up this winter in some of that whole snow snow fest they snow had with the closing airports. or whatever they're calling it. Is that what they're calling it? Snowpocalypse, which doesn't even make sense. Apocalypse becomes snowpocalypse. Yeah. How, is that, how does that make sense? It doesn't make sense to me. Thank you. But anyway, well, when you come back in the spring, I think you'll be back probably sometime in what, in the spring? Spring, summertime. All right, we'll bring, bring some new stories and we can talk about uh, maybe your trip to South America and, and perhaps in the meantime, Costa Rica. So I'm sure there'll be more to, more to chat about. And no more swimming with Caymans. For neither one of us. <laughs> We've been speaking with Stephen Valentino, associate producer for the Leonard Lopate program, heard on WNYC in New York. All right, let's take a short break. I don't know what it is about George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue that makes me think of New York, but I know I'm not alone.